Good morning. Happy Friday. It is Friday the 13th, October 13th, 2023. I'm Greg and welcome to the Daily Bible Wrap-Up. Our readings for today, Psalm 119, 25 through 32, Second Thessalonians 1. So we begin a new book there, a new letter. And Jeremiah 27 through 29, 23. So let's just dive right in. This very chilly morning, 37 degrees this morning. Psalm 119, 25 through 32, I'm going to read for you verse 29. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. It's a simple statement, but there's a lot to unpack here. So let's go ahead and start. Have you ever rationalized something to the point where you have convinced yourself it's okay with God? Almost like you're negotiating in a way. One of the things that I would do is like I say, well, you know, I haven't had a beer in a week. You know, it, it's Friday. I've had a really good week. I've been really good staying away. You know, yes, it's all right. God, God is okay with me having a, a few. And 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 after all, I mean, God made alcohol, right? And so, uh, God wants us to relax, right, and enjoy His creation. Now, the problem for me though is that once I realize that alcohol takes me away from God. None of what I said just makes sense. Think about that. Why would God want me to take myself away from his presence? Now, once again, I am not saying that drinking alcohol is bad. I'm not passing judgment. This is for me. This is my path and what I've learned. But for me, if I tried and said that, I'd be lying to myself. So that's the first part. Trying to give in to temptation without accepting it is that it's not right for me. Now, the next is the second part of the statement, the privilege of knowing your instructions. And first, I want to focus on the word privilege. We should be thankful that God loves us enough to provide instructions on how to live effective lives in harmony with him. That's our privilege. We are We are privileged to be given those instructions. And then there's the third thing, the word instructions. I find that interesting. Now, mind you, NLT is not word for word, so I don't know what the actual Hebrew was, but um, it caused me to focus on this for a moment. Notice that orders or commands are not used. It's instructions. What's the difference? Well, instructions imply free will, at least to me. We are not being commanded to do something, rather we are told how to do something. Whether or not we do it, though, that's up to us. New Testament, we're starting 2 Thessalonians, and as you usually start, we are starting in chapter 1. It's another letter from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, the Thessalonians' faith is flourishing at this time, yet they are persecuted. God will use this as this suffering to further the kingdom, Paul says. That's a lesson for all of us as well, too. Being a Christ follower is not easy. It's not meant to be. There's sacrifice involved, and we will face persecution for it. Now, judgment will come to those who, verse 8, don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. 
punishment is eternal separation from the Lord. But then again, if you think about it, unbelievers, they don't believe in God. So eternal separation from God, isn't that in line with what unbelievers would want anyway? It's just something to think about there. But anyway, believers will be honored because of the way that they live. I think part of that is being bold in the faith. Old Testament, we pick up the story in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 27. This is another message. Jeremiah is commanded to wear a yoke. If you can imagine, a yoke is something that, say, back then an oxen would put on or have well, the oxen wouldn't put it on itself himself um but uh farmers would put the yoke on the oxen it helps to control um the pull of the plow so this way you use the ox oxen strength to pull the plow or pull whatever and um the yoke is with braces against the shoulders to distribute the force and makes it all all around more effective but if you have a yoke if you're wearing a yoke it is constraining and it it implies that you're i would imagine um being used for some sort of maybe forced labor um and it's certainly uh it, since it's heavy it you would imagine that you're hunched down like this if you're wearing a yoke which um in in this since jeremiah is being commanded to wear a yoke um, now he, he, I think he's commanded to fashion one for him. So I don't think he's wearing a yoke for an oxen because that would be very large. Um, but he's being commanded to, I think, fashion one and then wear it, but it's still going to be heavy. It's, it's still going to hold him down like this. can be difficult to deal with the, even the animals at this point in time are going to be under King Nebuchadnezzar's control, the Lord made everything and can give them to those who chooses this is part of the point that god is making to jeremiah and to the people the the yoke symbolizes submission to babylon's king now this message was both for israel and judah also they are told not to listen to false prophets who say that babylon won't invade there were a lot of those apparently at the time the people and, and the precious items of the temple that were still remaining will be carried to Babylon until the Lord calls them back to Jerusalem. We know that this happened, actually. Jeremiah 28, Jeremiah is confronted by Hananiah, son of Azur, a prophet from Gibeon. This one predicts peace. It's a good message. People like to hear messages that make them feel good, even if it obfuscates the truth or completely is a lie against the truth. Think about that. We're more predisposed, a little problem this morning, uh, to want to accept messages that, that align with our wants, our desires, and our comfort, level, comfort levels. Now, Jeremiah does welcome this message because, hey, it's a, it's a great message. You know, sounds great. But he notes in verse 9, quote, a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right. Only when his predictions come true will... Can we know he is really from the Lord? Then Hananiah broke Jeremiah's yoke. But the Lord tells Jeremiah, essentially, I won't go into the details, but that Hananiah is a false prophet, another spreading lies, 
who must die. And actually, two months later, Jeremiah says that Hananiah did, in fact, die. Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah wrote a letter to all elders, priests, prophets, and people exiled. Which made me wonder, why wasn't Jeremiah exiled? If you think about it, if you're going to exert control over a certain region, you would want to remove those that would stir up the most trouble, right? Jeremiah, with his predictions, you would think would be one that they would want to, they, the Babylonians, would want to have silenced. So there's probably some more to the story there. Jeremiah tells them the plan to stay and multiply in Babylon for 70 years. During that time, don't listen to false prophets. All of this, he says, is part of God's plans. Verse 12, quote, they are plans for good and not for the disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now they're going to have their fortunes restored and will be brought back to their own land. That's it for today. I hope you have a wonderful day today and that As always, my prayer for you is that you walk by the Spirit today. Take care.